Okay, here are reasons to try a Nest mattress. One, they have a mattress for every kind of sleeper. Two, Nest offers free exchanges within a 100-night trial. And three, save hundreds on everything bedroom-related, now through the summer at nestbedding.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of Paper Movies, a novelization book club. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, today, we'll be discussing the novelization to Batman, the Tim Burton film from 1989. Uh, it was The novelization is by Craig Shaw Gardner, based on the story by Sam Hamm, and the screenplay by Sam Hamm and Warren Scarin. I'm the host for this month. I'm Adam, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts. We have Matthew from the Geek Static. We have Jeremy from Stupid Shane Chaw Productions. Sorry, Matthew. <laughs> and today I'd like to introduce our special guest. He's an old friend of mine. Uh, we also used to work together. We have Tanner from the Scarlet Writers Geek Corner. Tanner, thank you all so much for joining today. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So, Batman... From 1989, this is, takes place at the beginning of Batman's career. He's been kind of uh, operating as Batman for about a month now. And during a, uh, a mob raid on a chemical plant, um, one of the mobsters uh, who tries to shoot Batman, you know, it backfires, uh, disfigures his face, knocks him into a bat of acid, and now we have the Joker. So, guys, overall thoughts. What would you guys think of this book? Who would like to take it first? I'm going to take it. Uh, let's have Tanner take it. We'll, we'll have the guests yeah. go first. Oh, wow. No pressure. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, oh, God. I'm gonna, how long has it been since I've seen it? Batman 89. I think it, last time I watched it was like 2013, something ridiculous. That's about the same time um, I last saw it last, too. Oh, okay. Well, then at least we're on equal footing now. Uh, I mean, I liked it. Uh, I don't read movie novelizations as much as you guys do, obviously. So I probably don't have anything real grand to add to the conversation. Uh, I thought the writing was fairly solid. Uh, there were some scenes that obviously weren't in the movie. I think that kind of getting the spoiler territory, but there was a uh, one scene they took out towards the climax that I'm like, okay, they definitely, that was in the movie and then they didn't put it in the novelization. So I don't know if, like I said, I'm not an expert on how the novelization process goes. So I don't know if maybe he just decided to take that out of the final draft of the book or that was something added in the movie later. But other than that, I mean, I thought the climax flowed fairly well. I mean, felt like I was watching – I can't say I felt like I was watching the movie, but um, uh, made me want to go back and watch Batman 89. So All right. I enjoyed uh, it. Nice. Jeremy, what did you think? Okay, so this is in this is like the perfect length for a movie novelization because yes. these days we've read let's see King of the Monsters was too long. The Predator mm -hmm. was really too long and Halloween yeah. was too long. Halloween 2018. They're all like well, well the Predator's a piece of trash. But <laughs> I'll use Halloween. Yeah. Halloween's borderline like a really good novel, but it's too long. It's very drawn out. This 
add scenes in what I'm assuming what Tanner was getting at is like this is based off of probably an earlier draft and then they changed things up when they film. That's typically how these things went until Disney took over Star Wars and then they're written three months later. Um, But (laughs) these things uh, with this book, I have a complaint and it's the same complaint I have. I'm going to go back to Star Wars here. I'm very sorry. With uh, Matthew Stover's novel of Revenge of the Sith, we're repeating things. I don't like repetition in books. There's a fine line for when it's good and then when it's really obnoxious. And this went to the really obnoxious territory. The whole line of, uh, have you ever danced the devil in the pale moonlight? is repeated yeah. throughout. Oh, yeah. And it reminded yeah. me of what I hate in Matthew Stover's novel, Revenge of the Sith, where he'd be like, this is Anakin, now. And he'd do it like every five chapters, and it's really obnoxious and pretentious, and that, that started happening here. Also, Batman, in the, whole, in the climax, he keeps going back to when his parents were murdered. That was a little much. But yeah. I will say, I, I like certain things better in this than I do in the movie. Yeah, on that repetition, though, we also had uh, the Joker's music always saying boom shakalaka. Uh, I, I laughed, so, so like I wasn't going to include that because that's so goofy. But they didn't know what the score was going to be like because Danny Elfman literally didn't know until he went on set, set and then he wrote the score in an airplane on the way back to America. <laughs> And uh, I'm sure they also didn't know that Prince was going to be providing some of the songs on the soundtrack. That's so. right. Um, but I love the when uh, Joker's like, oh, good old Bob. <laughs> oh, yeah, good old Bob. <laughs> yeah. Which, which um, is, that's something I do like is that, uh, who, who wrote this again? This is Craig Shaw Gardner. Never read, read a book of his, but he really brings out the crazy and Joker. But yes. keeps it original. Okay. Right. Which is something that the more modern DC comics lack these days. They kind of oh, go with... Now, oh, go ahead. Sorry, they, I didn't mean to interrupt you. They kind of go with the whole Alan Moore crazy uh, Joker these days. Because, you know, that's an awesome Joker. And it's great to emulate. Granted, I'm, I'm a few years out of comics at this point. Tanner seems to be more the expert than I. No, no. <laughs> I, I, it's not Adam. Adam just hangs up posters. He's never actually seen a Batman movie. I don't know if you know this or not. Yeah, well, guilty. Yeah. He 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 just um, wa- he couldn't find eighty nine Batman, so he watched all the clips on YouTube. <laughs> um, Matthew, what are your thoughts? I mean, I thought the book was decent. I agree with Jeremy completely. That like the length was perfect. I love how. The chapters were short, so it's like I'm going to read a quick chapter. Real, you know, I don't have much time, but for maybe ten minutes, you could squeeze out a chapter, maybe mm-hmm. even less. Uh, so it made it easy to dissect the book up into you know different days or throughout the day. If like I'm going to sit down and read a little bit here and there. Um, it was the can I can I jump in for a second, Matthew? Yeah, on this yeah. It was the perfect book to read on your 15 minute break. Yeah, yes. get through a chapter yeah. and be like, yeah. And get yeah. through a couple on your lunch, your half hour yeah. lunch, and then be like, oh, I can get through another chapter of my next fifteen. That's how I read yeah. this book for the most part. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, it'd be nice if more novelizations were like that. You said all of the other things just get way too out of hand, and I, I, they I have mean, so much. I mean, nothing tops X Men Two. <laughs> that thing's like eight hundred pages. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, this thing is only uh, uh, 225. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, too, with the, the repetition of things. Like, towards the end, it felt like it got lazier towards the end. Yes. Um, some of the descriptions just seemed like they were lacking. Uh, it jumped around real quick, and I'm like, what's going on now? And I don't – it's been a long time since I saw the movie. I started watching it not too long ago, then I just stopped. I didn't finish it. Um, it was always my favorite Batman. But uh, I stopped at a point where like, it was getting intense in the book too. And everything that happens that I read, I don't remember from the film for quite a while. Um, and I don't know if that's just me misremembering the film or if the book changed that much more of the story. Um Overall, it was a decent book. I thought it got silly with uh, the story later on as Joker's like, you know, going to this uh, festival or uh, parade with the gas coming out of the, the balloons. It just got silly. It's like, oh, I want to rule the city by killing everybody. I mean, to be we fair, his intentions, he wanted a war. But what about the war? What was his well, he, he's, he's goal? A, he's a crazy person. Uh, that that's his whole thing. He's just gone insane. Yeah, the Joker has always, you know, normally been the one to just kill people just to laugh about it. Just because, yeah, I mean, so. he, spoilers, <laughs> he killed good old Bob. Good old Bob. And I do like how that was repeated. All the time. It was like every time it mentioned Bob, it would say, Bob, good old, good old Bob. Bob. He's like, the right-hand man. He, he's the guy that you want on your side. And he just like, he's like, hey, somebody, what, I can't remember what the exact line was, but he's like, is somebody going to, Get the Batman. He just turns and shoots Bob. Good old <laughs> Bob. I, well, I, I wish that was how the chapter went. Like chapter so and so. Like Bob. Good old Bob. Good old Bob. I, I shot Bob. You know. It literally I Bob falls Bob. off the float and he's like, "Oh, good old Bob." Here, I'm gonna shoot you real yeah. quick. Okay, yeah. thanks, Bob. You know. And he, like, I think that's when he turns to somebody else. He's like, okay, would somebody go get me the Batman or something like that along those lines? Yeah, but I thought the I thought the book was well written. I thought Craig Shaw Gardner did a very good job. Um, and like uh, Matthew, like what you said, the chapters uh, are very short, and I like that. Um, I don't like you know chapters that are either really short or like like thirty pages long. But you know, it it kept the pace at a very uh, consistent level. Uh, but yes, like as you guys said, there was a lot of repetition and a lot of silliness here and there. But like overall, I thought it was well written and it was a pretty easy read. Um, but I do want to ask. And I'm going to start with uh, Tanner. How well did you think uh, the author, like, captured the tone of the film? Well, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because it's been, like, God, what, almost eight years since I've seen the movie. From what I remember, uh, it was almost one for one, minus a few things they took out here and there. Mm -hmm. I mean, the overall feel was there as far as the uh, how he described Gotham as being... uh, God, I'm just trying to remember the reference of Star Wars, but uh, a hive of scum and villainy. Yeah, yeah I thought he described that pretty well. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I can't really say how close it is to the film, despite you know having not seen it in so long. So there's my uh, filthy okay. casual take. Okay, awesome, uh, Jeremy. What did you think? The tones there. It's absolutely there. Um, the stylization, not so much, but that's that's really hard. It's a Tim Burton film in the heyday of Tim Burton films before his movies started looking like puke. Like, it's just, you know, like, 
I didn't expect it. I didn't expect much, to be completely honest. Um, this is the second second time we've had a superhero book, and I've underjudged it. Because when we read Spider-Man back in November, I, I was dreading that. I was like, ooh, eesh, this looks a little <laughs> long. But I love that, and I really, I did enjoy this. Um, I will say, Batman wasn't my favorite character in this, though. I Yeah, I'm going to add to something about that later on, but yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, Vicky Vale, really, and in a lot of ways, she kind of becomes the protagonist a little bit. Mm-hmm. And here, yeah. well, bat, the thing is, and I don't know if I, I just didn't catch on to it. They don't really. Exp- it's not till like the last quarter of the book where they, the, the author finally says like, Bruce Wayne, Batman, same person. There's this somewhat ambiguity, and I was trying to read this like I had never, never read a Batman thing before. And, like, there's hints at it, obviously, but, like, if, if let's say, a dumb person, like, someone dumber than me, because I'm pretty dumb here, read this, and they'd be like, wait, wait, Bruce, Bruce Wayne wears a cape? Does that mean he's, he's Batman? I thought it was Knox. Oh, wow. Yeah, more on that. Um, Matthew, uh, how well did you think Gardner captured the tone of the film? I thought it did pretty good. I mean, there's some things that are hard to capture in a book that you can't capture on screen, just vice versa, too, as well. I mean, like, from what I remember with the film, there was the, like, when the Batwing shows up. I think that's what it's called, right? The Batwing, his yeah. plane. I, it, it looks better on film. Uh, in the book, I'm, I think, if I remember correctly, it was just like, oh, and then Batman's in his plane, and you're like, what? It just doesn't come across the same as when you see it on film, like, oh, Batman's got a plane, what? Rather than Batman's flying his plane. It just seemed a little cheesy to me. Um, But, I mean, overall, it was all fantastic. He captured a lot of the stuff. Uh, The the whole scene with uh, the museum when the Joker comes in, Vicky's Vale's waiting around for Bruce Wayne, who she thinks is going to show up, I thought that was captured very well. Yeah, I thought Gardner did very well at capturing the tone. Like, uh, like when I read this, I basically am like picturing the movie, you know, going through my head, save for a few things and um, kind of like, uh, kind of going on what Jeremy was saying a minute ago. Um, I didn't like. I was kind of. I, I kind of wanted Batman to shut up because I hated all of these cheesy lines that he had from time to time where he'd be like calling someone rat breath or something yeah, like that. I love and I was, <laughs> and I was also like, um, at one point he was, um, like they took out the I'm Batman and they said, I am the night. I'm just like, no, you're Batman. So you're Batman right now, you know, <laughs> but uh, overall, yes. Uh, agreeing with Jeremy, the tone is there, you know, he captured, uh, uh, the scenes very well, um, but but there are but there were as we uh, pointed out a little bit earlier um, scenes that were not uh, or either slightly altered or not in the film at all, and I was wanting to talk about those next. Um, I was I'll go ahead and start. Um, you know, there's one the date night between Vicky Vale and uh, Bruce Wayne at Wayne Manor that awkward dinner where they're like 20 feet apart, and yes. uh, there's also that. 
Uh, I honestly did not uh, care for that scene, uh, the horseback riding scene as much, because I'm like, I kind of like the awkwardness of that scene. I thought it was always kind of like, you know, yeah, this guy's a multimillionaire, but he's also just a person. But um, there was one scene where Batman was chasing the Joker, like, like jumping from rooftop to rooftop, like in broad daylight, you know, he was still in his suit and he was like wearing a ski mask and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, he's chasing the Joker's car on horseback. I actually love that scene. I wish that they um, included that. And I know that there was like a deleted scene, like a deleted, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of where they do the sketches of the scene. Um, Storyboards. Storyboards. Yes. Thank you. Um, There was one where they were actually going to make that like Robin's origin. Hmm. Like uh, where the, or yeah, where the Joker, um, and I think like you can find it on YouTube, and like Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are voicing Batman and the Joker, but um, they were gonna make it to where the Flying Graysons were, um, uh, like performing at the festival, and the Joker like crashes into their little uh, their their poles, and it kills Robin's parents, and I was like. You know, that kind of would have been, you know, a cool thing to add in the film. They didn't mention it in the book. Mm-hmm. But I, but for that scene in general, like where Batman's just chasing the Joker, like on horseback, I thought that that was a great, and I wish they added that in the film. In, instead, but, we had Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face acting as the Joker, setting yeah. up a gigantic <laughs> comical bomb that killed the Flying Graysons. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But as far as, like, things that were slightly different or different altogether, um, Matthew, um, like, were there, like, any favorites or least favorites? Uh, I wouldn't say if there's a favorite. Um, the one that stuck out to me the most was the scene where Bruce Wayne, he, when he's going over to Vicky's apartment to confess, like, oh, I'm the Batman, um, he shows up and he's got, like, equipment with him in, like, a shoulder bag. And whenever the Joker shows up, in the film, I think Bruce Wayne is like in Vicky's bedroom or bathroom or something. And he finds a metal plate. Oh, it, might, yeah. it might just be in a living room. He like slips it under his shirt and he gets shot and it's, it's the metal plate in the book. They're like in the kitchen and they think a bomb has been delivered. And he's about to deactivate it. And when a hand pops up the roses and uh, when the guys take Vicky away, Joker, he says his, line his favorite line uh and then he shoots bruce in the kitchen but he he's fine it just the bullet kind of grazes him and hits one of his uh bat the piece of batman equipment so he's fine um but in the film you know we got that he shot him and then vicky comes back and like he's he's gone so that was the biggest thing that stuck out to me that was different oh yeah and there's the you want to get nuts let's get nuts I was just yeah. about to say that. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> my favorite yeah. favorite line. I yeah, I, I love that line. Uh, Jeremy, uh, uh, what do you think about the differences in the in the uh, in the book? So it's been so long since I saw this. I was having a hard time remembering. So I think it's fine. Like like I think I've said this before with other things. Certain things transfer better to the page than they do to film. So there's there's a necessity sometimes to just change things for the sake of the story flowing depending on what um the medium is. Okay. 
Uh, can I add something? Can I add something to mine? Um, oh, there's yeah, one. That we, so we kind of mentioned it earlier with the, the music. The boombox was just constantly playing the same piece of music. The boom shakalaka, and it, I think it said in multiple times like, oh. And then rock music was blasting, and it's boom shaka lock. You're like, that's not, that's not can, rock. Can you imagine that? Like Van Halen? Yeah, just <laughs> boom Each time. I thought that was funny that, you know, clearly they, they knew that, like, okay, well, just put this in there because we don't know what we're doing with the music yet. We just know that there's a boom box blasting music. So, yeah, I, I just thought that was comical, too, the rock music boom shaka lock. Uh, real quick, I was wanting to add this real quick. Um, I like that this book actually explains some plot holes from the film. Like, um, you know that scene where uh, Batman's driving Vicky Bell to the Batcave? And she's mm-hmm. just like, where are we going? I'm like, well, you can see out the window, can't you? But they do explain that Batman is actually uh, blackening out those windows somehow and he, that people can't see. And also, it's just like, where did the Joker get, like, $20 million in cash? And, like, we find out it's fake money. Right. Yeah. And, um also in terms of alternate scenes there was one that i thought was kind of funny where um after you know the spoiler if you haven't seen the movie or read it but the joker dies he falls off the cathedral and um you know uh they batman and vicky vale you know lower themselves to the ground and they're like "Uh oh here comes the police and so batman just takes off his mask and cape and throws it on Knox and just you know hauls tail out of there and like they make this whole gag out just like we just want to say mr Knox is not batman and then he says like well batman's not me so <laughs> but um tanner um was there anything, any difference? Like, I know you said that you've uh, seen the film uh, quite a bit a long time ago, but, like, was there anything that, like, stuck out to you that you know was different? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, God, I could be completely embarrassing myself here, but what wasn't the climax of the film where the Joker says, you created me because I fell into those chemicals, and then Batman realizes who he is and says, uh, what was it? Oh, was it like, uh, like, uh, he says, you ever dance with the devil, the pale moonlight, and he remembers that was like uh, what the Joker said to his Sam after he killed his parents, yeah? Well, yeah, they, they nailed that into my head about 30 times towards the end of the book, but <laughs> I meant like the, the scene in the movie where, oh, God, he's... It's in the climax, but it's... Uh, when 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 Batman admits to Joker that Joker murdered his parents, yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah that that's there. there but a... uh, he figures that out in the apartment scene before he gets shot in the film. Okay, yeah. See what I'm saying? I haven't seen the movie in about eight years. I probably should have rewatched it before I came on here, but because we get the best rendition of the the Waynes being murdered on film ever. It's so stylized and looks so nice. In a in, in Batman versus Superman, they kind of just gloss over it to the point like, why would you just put this in the film at all? There's <laughs> no purpose in here anymore. We get we've seen Batman's origin twice now. <laughs> well, that's that was setting it for the plot twist. Towards the end of Batman v Superman. Oh God! Yeah, the Martha. Oh yeah. Oh no! <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Greatest plot twist in the history of cinema. <laughs> so, um, what was y'all's favorite and least favorite parts of this book? Um, for me, uh, 
my favorite, like I said, was the rooftop chase scene through the festival and everything. Um, but my least favorite was, you know, Batman being kind of over chatty. Like, you know, like he was a typical superhero with like, you know, the witty one liners and everything. But um, I, I didn't really like that. And but um, Matthew, um, favorite, least favorite moments. My least favorite would probably be the uh, the extended date scene. That was kind of lame. I, I did like the uh, the scene in the film much better. It's like me and my sister actually. We used to reenact that moment in the movie all the time. We're like we go sit at the dining room table. I'm like, can, can you pass the salt? What? Can you pass the salt when we get up? Like we just that was something that we always reenacted all the time growing up. So um, I prefer that over the the books horseback riding nonsense um my favorite moments in the book um jesus tough maybe when he becomes the joker he goes after the he falls into the vat of acid he goes to his uh you know underground surgeon who fixes his face and he's just like kind of laughing about it. he's like oh this is this is a joke this is just the, the punchline of the joke i liked that that was pretty cool i thought that was pretty creepy too uh jeremy I mean, I already talked about my least favorite part, the repetitiveness with certain things. Uh, favorite part? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I like that Batman was nice to the police officers that were climbing over the Batmobile shields by dry, accelerating slowly so they could <laughs> fall off. That, that, that gave me a little chuckle. <laughs> like, oh, that's so nice. It, it just reminded me of uh, Batman Arkham Knight when you can literally run over people, but there's like a barrier so they don't die, even though they fall on their heads. <laughs> well, he knew their healthcare plan would cover him. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wonder if like, uh, like when Bruce Wayne did that in the book, he was just like, okay, I'm writing a check to this person, to this person, you know, which um, still leads. Can I ask, throw one more thing in there? Yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. Go I forget it. the coffee situation like the whole police force they're drugged by the coffee from uh, from their work was that in the film I all the police officers were falling asleep because the the coffee was drugged at the police stations I don't remember that from the film no doesn't okay. stick out I didn't thing. think so that was kind of cheesy but anyway sorry I mean the the whole the whole beauty products that horribly mutilate people is also goofy but like it's just classic you know yeah it's it's not the joker taking a bunch of money and throwing it in a pile and lighting it on fire you know that's modern joker right yeah i did like the um like they were trying to attempt to capture the same like humor that Jack Nicholson was like reading these lines like uh, I believe it's still mentioned in the book I had like and hair color so natural only your undertaker knows for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but uh Tanner um uh favorite least favorite moments okay so I think my least favorite moment was probably the beginning uh, the first chapter, I felt like it dragged a little too long to just, just kind of get to the point. And like you said, the, the one-liners with Batman. Uh, another least favorite moment was probably towards the end in the climax where he's climbing the uh, the cathedral to the stairs to get to the Joker and Vicky. And it just it keeps emphasizing how much pain he's in. It's like, okay, we we get it. Again, it goes back to the repetitiveness. Um, 
I think my favorite part would be the climax because I felt like it was. I felt like uh, what's his name, Craig Shaw Gardner did a good job uh, painting the picture of how it went fairly. Oh gosh. <laughs> I know you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get you, man. Uh, I get it too. Yeah, the it was whole very descriptive. Very descriptive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, I mean, you could go into like the horseback riding scene. That was probably the most boring chapter for me. I was, I was just sitting there reading that chapter, going, "Okay, how many more pages do I have until the next one?" Yeah, okay. I, am, um, am I the only one who liked that? I thought it was fine. I guess so. No, no. I, mean, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it in principle. I, it oh, okay, fair not enough. Yeah, I mean, it's a break from the action. It wasn't a past the salt moment, you know. No, that's yeah. true. That's <laughs> that would have been great to read. That might yeah. have been an ad lib thing because they couldn't get horses that day. <laughs> That'd be good. Be so how do we fill this gap in? <laughs> it's like that'd be kind of ironic too. It's just like, wait, a billionaire doesn't have horses? Like, we can't explain that. <laughs> um, all right. Um, well, would you guys recommend this book to someone who hasn't seen the film or read the uh, uh, seen the film or read the novelization, or would you recommend it at all, Matthew? I would. I mean, it's a fine it's a fine book. It's got a good beginning middle and end um there are some things that we talked about that were a little bit silly all repetitiveness and all that stuff uh the only thing that's gonna be lacking really is the soundtrack i mean of course you got great soundtrack by danny elfman yeah he's the the batman score from that is uh my favorite batman score it's my favorite score of all time you like that over Uh, batman returns yeah I, I I'm sorry. I I'm a more of a Batman Returns. It's the the one thing I think that's better between the two films is the score. Uh, oh, don't I, get me wrong. I, I can't recall uh, the Batman Returns score. I I like the Batman Returns score. Um, I really do. Um, mm-hmm. but I just like I don't know. I just kind of feel like the music for this film. Yeah, you know, just really you know hits. You know. Oh, oh yeah, these are definitely Danny Elfman's best two scores yeah um but yeah i, I recommend the book um does say recommend it over the movie i don't know i mean there's a lot of iconic moments from the film we got the coolest in my opinion the coolest batmobile yeah. mini movie yes. in this film uh it's my favorite batman logo which i discovered recently by looking at the pictures on the book that the batman logo on the back here the one that's like that you remember the most is different than the one that's actually on his chest I never yeah. noticed that until I read the book, um, which I prefer the logo on the, on the back of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, My God, but yeah. I, I like this yeah, one better. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd never seen that before. I never noticed it. Um, but yeah, I do. And after you guys uh, say your thoughts, I have uh, one little thing I'd like to include or ask. Oh. Okay, yeah. Uh, you guys. Tanner? Uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, if you, you like Batman 89, you should, you owe it to yourself to both watch the movie and read the book, personally, because I think the book has some stuff in it that's not in the movie and if you're wanting a different perspective or just some like you said some explanations on some plot holes like the batmobile windows or even just what's going on with the joker's head i i I, you know it fills those in so whether you want to watch the movie first or the book read the book first i 
I don't know. That's, you know, your mileage may vary on that one, but I'd recommend it. Uh, Jeremy? I think this is a great starter novel for anyone who's going to start reading movie novelizations because of the, the pacing's great, and yes. it's not a long, drawn-out book. Like, um, I wanted to say Bloodshot, but we haven't read that. It just looks tedious <laughs> when I it's, see it at uh... Barnes & Noble. <laughs> It's uh, funny that you mentioned that because this was actually the first movie novelization that I read, and I actually my first book oh, review on YouTube. So that's right, uh, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah, it, it definitely is a good starter for if you want to read movie novelizations. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jeremy. No, yeah. you're fine. That's that's good. You're just backing my point up. But yeah, no, it's it's not Bloodshot. It's definitely not The Predator. I can't stress this enough. This is like the the reverse. <laughs> that yeah. the, the, it's, it's compact you could get through it quick it's yeah uh, subtle differences a lot of it's the same so yeah the perfect blend for a novelization i do have to make one point uh matthew uh, real quick um if you're ever wanting to read this book uh if you come across the audiobook it's not the same people say it's unabridged it's not it's no it says like you could finish the book in about an hour and a half no this like took like this will literally take you probably like three or four hours to get through even that. But um, yeah, so just wanted to point that out there. If you find the audiobook, it is abridged. It is not unabridged. But anyway, I'm sorry, Matthew, what were you wanting oh, to no, say? Oh, no, it's good. That's all. Uh, did Tanner, did you recommend that uh, yeah. people get this book? Yeah, I recommend and people get it. Uh, I'm actually, this is the first movie novelization I've read in probably like 10 years. So yeah, I, I think it's the perfect length. I was. I wasn't intimidated when I took it out of the envelope when I received it. Mm-hmm. So that brings an interesting question. Now that you've, you've, this is the first one you say in about 10 years. Do you think after reading this, you have a little bit more interest in diving back into reading novelizations more? Yes. Yeah. Nice. There we awesome. go. There we go. <laughs> we're, we're bringing you into our world. <laughs> yeah. We just need to get everyone in here. You know, they, yeah. they need to re- start reprinting classics like this. Yeah, even if they put them in ebook ebook format, I mean, yeah. bring them back. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that just wraps it up. So uh, before we uh, conclude, um, what grade or ranking would you guys give this book? I'll go ahead and start. I believe whenever I, yes, I reviewed it, I gave it an A. So um, Tanner, uh, what would you? What grade or ranking would you give this book? Uh, a minus. Okay. Uh, Jeremy. Oh, you don't want Matthew to go first with a normal grade? <laughs> okay, Matthew. I, I'm going to give it, uh, I'd say a B plus or you know, three and a half out of five. Okay. All right. I'd give it a 4.135 <laughs> out of five. Okay. It's so average right now. I was about to say, like... I was about to like, did I catch a niner in there? Is <laughs> it <laughs> because of Bob? Was that what happened? Oh, you, you, you know he got the X, that last digit for good old Bob. Good old Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I had one one question that I wanted to ask you guys about uh, who your favorite character was in this story. Can we, can, we, can we go over that before we conclude? Yeah. 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 Um, Adam, who was your favorite character in this book? You know, I... <laughs> I'll still say Batman, even though that he was like I didn't like the the one liners. Like Batman without the one liners. <laughs> okay. Tanner? 
Well, I, I'd like to say Batman, even though it, it sort of feels like he's the protagonist, but then not really. Um, it's like you said, Vicky feels more like the protagonist in this book. So I'd have to say it's either a toss up between her or uh, the Joker. And I'm not like one of those peep edge lords that are like, oh, I love the age of chaos. I just think that the way he describes <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing, too. Is like, you. Where you can, I say, like, who's your favorite character? Because you get more inside the minds inside the book. So it's like, you know, different perspectives than you get in a film. Jeremy? It's <laughs> <laughs> the perfect description. <laughs> uh no it's a toss-up between uh vicky vale and ally knox yeah, that's, that's that's mine right there is knox i really liked knox it's like the you're just your average joe who's just trying to do his job and people are picking on him he tries to get the girl and she's like no, no i didn't get the girl you know so like he does you think in the end like oh he actually gets the girl in the end but no he's just he he risks his life he does all he can He's trying to get, you know, her boosted up in her career. and She just runs off with the millionaire. And I know, and it's like, I kind of wish there would be a gag. Life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of wish there would have been a gag that Knox would have been like, Wayne! You know? <laughs> I'll get you, Wayne. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would give it, yeah, I still would give it an A and recommend it, and uh, or a 4.675309.9 or like what what Jeremy gave it or something, you know. I couldn't even tell you what I gave it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but, good old but, Jeremy. Yeah, good old. I still think that needs to be a chapter in the book. Like, good old Bob. I yeah. shot Bob. Don't be like Bob. You know. Yeah. That that oh, was, if this was are... written by Stephen King. He would do that. He literally had a chapter in one of the Dark Tower books that said the plane landed. Or the Gremlins thing with, he forgot. <laughs> oh, God, that's so right. Like, yeah, you got to leave all the other chapters, though, as they are. Chapter 1, 2, 7. And then when it comes to the chapter that Bob dies, just call it good old Bob. And then you get to chapter 19. You know what I mean? It, it, they'd be yeah. like the Chuck Wendig Aftermath book where it's just an interlude. <laughs> Who's only two days of retirement? Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that is going to conclude uh, this month's podcast, guys. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, be sure to go find Matthew at the Geek Static, Jeremy at Stupid Chainsaw Productions. Uh, you can find me at Bright VRM and. Tanner, thank you so much again for uh, being our guest star today. And everybody, please go check out uh, Tanner's channel. We'll post the link to it in the description. It's the Scarlet Writers Geek Corner. Tanner, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you all so much. And, uh, well, before we go, we're going to go ahead and announce. I'm going to go ahead and grab it here. Um, what the pick for both March and April is going to be. We will be reviewing the novelizations to Ghostbusters 1 and 2. So for March, we'll be discussing Ghostbusters. And for April, we'll be discussing Ghostbusters 2. So be sure to check those out whenever. And we'll, of course, you know, post updates regarding that on the Facebook page and such. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us again today and be sure to hit that subscribe button and have a great day stay gucci with mailchimp you get a whole lot more than a url you get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales that means you can connect your data to make more informed smarter decisions and you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers 
So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Want to hear some inside scoop? If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you got to check out Kohl's. I got my daughters the cutest sew tops for under 18 bucks, Jansport backpacks for 25% off, and 30% off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra 15% and picked up Kohl's cash. So, yeah, not sure who's more excited right now, me or the girls. Select styles. 15% off for ends August 15th. Levi's coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store calls account for details.